from Yarm to Yibbe, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swalwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Ah, we're there again. I come prepared. Friday. I come prepared. This morning, night. all. Yep, yep. Morning. Yep. Morning. 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 Good morning. It's great to have a show when morning, there's no morning, football morning. to talk about, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did like the uh, the guide to Ponsettias uh, yesterday. I must admit. So, yeah, did you uh, like those? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that was the most yep. vital and crucial piece of yep. news we could pass on to Borough fans at this moment in time. You know, it's That's Christmas right. after That's all. Right. I thought I thought it was irresponsible to be honest with you. And yeah. do you know why? <laughs> because you lot won. Be- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No, it was highly irresponsible because cat owners shouldn't have Ponsettias because they're poisonous to cats. Are they really? Oh wow. I Yes, they are. It didn't do our cats in. Yeah. Are they still there Jeez. now? Well, he did look <laughs> he was 23. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been 25 if you didn't have ones yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it scares off Black Cats fans, then I'm all for them. They're even more of a reason oh, to get in the garden right now. Yeah. Black Cats fans are happy after that under 18s thrashing of Middlesbrough, oh, Middlesbrough last night. 5 2. Far out. <coughs> Tell you what, you got a young Jack Clark there in number two. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know what his name was, but he's he's a spitting image. The way he played down that left wing. Uh, I watched the, a little bit of the game on the Sunderland YouTube. It's Tommy Watson. Is it? Yeah, my, my, my Tommy Watson. Yeah, yeah there's some, yeah. some fantastic players coming through that academy at the minute. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, a brilliant performance. He's but the, the young lads, number two. <laughs> well, the the play the crazy. same way, and that's that's what I love yeah. about this identity of the club now. That the under 18s play exactly the same way as the senior team. It's it's great to see that they're brilliant last night. Absolutely brilliant. Yep, no, they put Borough to the sword. That's for sure. Finishing five two and uh, kicking us out of the FAU Cup. It was, uh, it was a very good performance by Sunderland um, in what was reported as 49,000 uh, fans at the uh, Stadium of Light there for that game as well. So, yeah, incredible. The thing is, we could get that many. R- Riverside's never ah. going to do that. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> now I'm just waiting for Steve to chip in and go, 49,000. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. I, I was complimentary to the Monmelis podcast. I went and did Turf and Talk last night, or Talk and Turf, or whatever he calls it. But he, he, it was he started fun, yeah. off his own YouTube podcast. I, I was on there with a Sunderland fan last night. Um, I think he was expecting fireworks, but again, you know, I, I, I think people don't realise I'm quite level-headed with, when it comes to football. I think that just comes with age. Um, but it was, it was a good, it was a good chat. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I pointed out that Sunderland have that slight advantage in the derby with the crowd. You know, 40, 45,000 Sunderland fans, you know, cheering their team on. But I also think? pointed out, I also pointed that out that it could turn. You know, that if Newcastle mm. can go there and stem the tide in that first 20, 25 minutes, and, yep. and then get an early, get an early goal. Sunderland's fans are exactly the same as Newcastle fans. The murmuring, the, the mumbling, and the groaning and moaning starts, and that twelfth man becomes, you know, almost like a man for the other team. So it works both ways. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not even January yet, and we're already talking about the derby and getting excited about it, which is no surprise. It's well, good. fellas, you'll it's be so pleased juicy. to know. You'll be pleased to know I come highly prepared this morning. You know, unlike other oh. presenters, you know, I, oh. I'm a pure professional. Oh. 
Oh, which, that's a dig at someone. Which, <laughs> which means, which means I've left something on the desk downstairs. So uh, oh, you, know, no. you guys can just keep talking. If I disappear at some point, you know, don't refer to me. Um, okay. you know, I'll, I'll give gotcha. you some secret signal, like, <clears throat> uh, and then you know I'm going to disappear. So we won't tell the listeners. All right. All right, got okay. you. Easy. All right. yeah, we'll we'll just stay silent till you come back. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> then all the alarm bells will start ringing from the transmitter and say, you're off there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's me. Well, it's Friday, boys. We got football. I can't believe it. We're at another end nah. of a week. We got one week till Christmas. Can you believe it? Don't want to do it. One weekend left until Christmas. Don't want to talk Hope football. you've all got your shopping done. You know, reckon uh, we're in for a chance against Swansea? I reckon we're with a chance. No. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I've got uh, to believe. i got to believe in something, right? I've got to believe. Got believe to be, in Father Christmas, away man. To Swansea. Believe in Father Sunderland Christmas. Sunderland away to Bristol City and Newcastle, obviously home to Fulham. Newcastle, the only team to be home in the northeast this weekend as well. Uh, tough game for them with Fulham obviously flying as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend of fixtures, I think. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about. There's a lot that came in. Big one for uh, Steve uh, was his good friend Mikel Arteta being cleared. Over yeah. the the post match comments after it's the Newcastle game, which I it's a disgrace. <laughs> it's disgusting that he got off that. So it's no surprise. Talk about that. Yeah, no he's got he's got someone uh, looking after him. That's for sure. Because uh, yeah, getting off all charges there. So after what we uh, we were paying that that comedy uh, that comedic sort of sound from Mikel Arteta for a long time there. Well, uh, and we, for the performance and the way we played, and we didn't deserve to lose the match playing in the run and then we didn't lose the match because of the the clear and obvious decisions it's embarrassing it's a disgrace that's what it is a disgrace <laughs> will he be taken he um he played the disgracia card didn't he Mm. Yeah, it was yeah, a misunderstanding. It was, it, it, it was, yeah, yeah it was a, a, it was an interpretation thing because disgracia means we were unlucky. <laughs> what about embarrassing? Yeah, was really that embarrassana, which means yeah. you know my my mother sits on the bus? Is that is uh, that's how we got off with it? I swear they're like. It's ridiculous. It really is. And they're like, yeah. I don't know how they did it. They're like, oh, we're after Mikel Arteta. Mikel? Oh, I'm sorry. We only have Michel. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how I they did it. Basil Fo- I expected Basil Foley to run in and smack, him o- smack somebody <laughs> over the head. Oh, if, I the, <laughs> if I had the clown music ready, I'd be playing it. I'm telling you. Well, that's just what it was like. My He's like making out. He's like Manuel out of Faulty Towers. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. come on. But I fully understand. I know nothing. I, I, I know nothing. Look, I fully understand <laughs> it. You know, you, you start looking How do you at, understand? That. You start he looking around this world, and you know Piers Morgan's an absolute charlatan. No, no, no! Don't, don't, don't think it's charlatan. I, I was meaning Charlie Tanny. He's a well-known Singaporean actor. Okay. Oh God! Yeah, no, we're going to talk about that. Don't you worry. We got some high thoughts on that one. We got to talk about uh, the agents as well. We love our football agents here on this show. We've spoken about it a lot uh, on 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 the Northeast Brecky Show about how. Uh, football agents' fees just seem to be get higher and higher, and it's been broken again, lads, for 2023 in a record 888 million pounds for spent on agent fees in international transfers wow. for 2023. So, been broken by the last fee. Uh, the last record fee was 702. So it's gone up 
by a measly 188 million pounds. So incredible scenes there for agents. As we saw uh, the lawsuit just recently as well, when the agents went and fought for um, their fees to be uh, not, uh, I guess, not capped by anyone as well. So they've gone and done that as well. So interesting there. We've got uh, some interesting uh, refereeing news coming out as well. We're going to talk to Dave about that and Steve with Rebecca Welch becoming the first female referee for the Premier League fixture me, like? when she officiates the <laughs> Fulham match game uh, against Burnley on the 23rd of December. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Hang on. We got, we're going to talk, we're gonna talk to Dave about it. We're going to... Ah, it is. Disgracia. Disgracia. <laughs> this is embarrassment. An embarrassment. <laughs> Which on, which on we're side means something completely different, obviously. Absolutely. means cheesy chips. Mm. Oh, jeez. Now you're making me hungry. It's dinner time for me. And former Premier League referee Mark Clattenburg, always funny Mark Clattenburg, remember him well, is concerned that referees could leave the game as players are starting to lose faith in officials because of the inconsistencies. Mm. We're going to see referees leaving the game. Can you believe it? No refereeing. that Ted, Steve and Rye are going to have jobs on Sundays and Saturdays doing Premier League games. Uh, the way the way it's going, because no one's going to want a referee anymore. And then finally, we've got a juicy, juicy little quiz for the Friday for the boys. With Santa getting ever so ready, it's it's time to check in with Rye and a certain Christmas quiz that's going to blow the socks off their stockings this morning. We've got no jingle, socks off but we'll stockings. get a little Christmas I tune. Say, yeah, I know, I know, I don't know. How can we blow socks off stockings, mate? Come on. How cold is it over there? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and my Christmas joke. Oh, and yes. Christmas cracker. Ted's favourite part of the cracker. show. Yeah. At least, at least we haven't got the impossible quiz this morning, so there you go. No. You know, that no, impossible quiz where you, you, you're given what four ridiculously fact? hard questions, which even Inspector Clouseau couldn't solve in a one-and-a-half-hour movie. <laughs> and there's red herrings thrown them? in. Could yeah. you Google yep. them? Catchy Google couldn't do it Don't blame me. <laughs> The, the thing is, Google when, these, when yes. somebody tries and ruins it by Googling the clues, you've got to make it that oh, much tougher. Here we so, go. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't mean to uh, to libel you there, mate. Uh, you, you, you're misinterpreting the word Google. I, it, it, I on need... Weir's side, there's a term called Googla, which which means you're a great lad. <laughs> I need Mikel Arteta's lawyers in here. I've got Steve saying I talk over him. I've got Ted saying I Google stuff. This is, it's a disgrace, okay? I, I'm getting attacked <laughs> from both sides here. <laughs> <laughs> We should we we should make up some 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 competition called Disgracia. We've got to, fellas. Come on, that is your challenge for the day. I'm gonna have an alter ego. It's called Mikel Arteta's lawyer, and I'm gonna come in with like the most ludicrous law outcomes or something like that, and talk uh, like I'm Mikel Arteta's lawyer because how he's gotten off this, lads. Anyway, let's start off with some club headlines and then we'll get straight into it because uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of games of football to talk about. We've got a nice little Christmas quiz to get into uh, and obviously Steve's Christmas cracker as well. Let's start off with your club headlines for this Friday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Mike Dodds will take charge of Sunderland's trip to Bristol City on Saturday as the club's search for a successor to Tony Mowbray continues. Dodds has overseen back-to-back wins against West Brom and Leeds and stepping in as interim head coach and has planned out the club's preparations, building up the Coventry City's visit next weekend. Sunderland being interviewing a number of candidates to take the role with a decision likely sometime next week. Dodds enjoyed a rare day off on Wednesday, but did begin his preparations for Saturday's game and spoke with the hierarchy for a brief update on the search for a new head coach. 
The interim top man says he's had no official discussion over whether he is in contention to be next at court on a longer term basis, though he is known to be well regarded behind the scenes and has proven his tactical acumen in the last two games. I haven't asked, Dodd said. The plan was to do the two games. I planned beyond that for this game on Saturday, and I've planned beyond that one up till Coventry next Saturday. That just means that until the football club tells me otherwise, and I appreciate it seems like a stock answer, it's just business as usual for me. Jensen Seelt is expected to be available for Sunderland's weekend trip to Bristol City despite sitting out training yesterday, while Jay Matetti and Timothy Pembele have been pencilled in for next week's under-21 game against Arsenal. Dutch defender Seelt was substituted 20 minutes from time in Tuesday's win against Leeds, suffering from a minor muscle issue, and he did not train with the rest of the squad at the Academy of Light. But interim head coach Mike Dodd said Sealed should be fit to travel with the team to Bristol. Didn't train on Thursday, but that was more precautionary, said Dodds. The news comes a potential indicator that the temporary boss won't be shy in trying new shapes and style of play. And finally, over the past few days, following the news that Sunderland would not be appointing Kim Helberg and all the Will Still drama as well, a lot has been written about the Black Cats. However, they still haven't found their new manager following discussion, the decision to part ways with Tony Mowbray. And the search continues with another man in Sweden being interviewed. The news comes from Aftonbladet, who revealed on Thursday afternoon that IF Elsborg manager Jimmy Tellin is also in the running for the Sunderland job. They state that the 45-year-old has been interviewed for the head coach job at the Stadium Light, but the championship side are not the only ones after him. And that's your headlines for this morning. Magpies and Proud. Mag's News. Newcastle returned to Premier League action on Saturday when Fulham provided the opposition in a good old-fashioned, non-televised 3 o'clock kick-off. The Magpies are seeking a seventh successive top-flight victory at St James's Park, which is something that they haven't achieved since the 2002-2003 season. Kieran Trippier serves a one-match suspension after reaching five Premier League bookings, and a trio of players are all one yellow card away from suffering a similar fate. Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff and Jamal Lascelles. We await, of course, an injury update this morning from Eddie Howe at his press conference a little after 9.30. The Castle United have been left counting the cost of elimination from the Champions League at the group stage. The Magpies had pocketed about 4.6 million for their win over Paris Saint-Germain and the two draws against AC Milan and the League One club. They also netted 13.37 million for playing in the group stage, but they missed out on 8.6 million for failing to get to the last 16 with another 10 million pound on offer to reach the quarter-finals. Having sold out earlier this year, Northumbrian Tartan Sir Bobby Robson Foundation scarves are again available through Newcastle City Hospitals Charity. A range of pure new wool and lambs wool scarves in a distinctive black and white shepherd or border plate have been produced by Northumberland Tartan, the company which is co-owned by the family of England cricketer Steve Harmison. The stylish match day attire is raising funds for the foundation and it's going to help continue pioneering cancer treatment and support services including the clinical trials of the new drugs at the Sir Bobby Robson Cancer Trials Research Centre. So if anybody wants to support this cause, uh, get yourself onto the charity shop at Newcastle Hospitals, nhs.uk. That's in Newcastle headlines on Friday morning. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Friday. We are very, very near to another game in this crowded fixture of games that Borough are facing come December. And yesterday, we heard from Michael Carrick 
uh, in a what was a bang bang right into it uh, after that loss to Hull the very next day into a press conference talking about that game coming up against Swansea. And with Hack Hayden Hackney closing in on return for the Borough, Michael Carrick has revealed that Riley McGree, Riley McGree, will be not too far behind in what feels like a rare positive injury update. Borough have had some rotten luck, obviously, with injuries of late, and were without eight first-team players during their midweek defeat to Hull City. It only meant two of Mark Carrick's nine substitutes were over the age of 25, with the Borough boss having to lean on the Borough Academy to prop up his matchday squads right now. And obviously, during this busy festive period that we are coming through, and with those injuries taking their toll, Borough have lost four of their last five games. Carrick has some positive news, though, on star man Riley McGree, and also provided the update on Marcus Force that they are returning, but to be cautious, Borough fans, because they've missed a lot of football and will need to come up to match day fitness. And there's a good chance that Borough will head to Swansea with the same squad they had for the last week, which has seen defeats to Ipswich and Hull City. The Borough bus does remain upbeat, though, and full of belief in the players that he has available. He concluded, It would be nice to have them back, of course, because they're good players. But listen, the boys in the squad are great players as well. I keep saying that because it's difficult in some ways of talking so much about the injured players and who I don't and ha can't have available rather than the players I do have available. They've been digging in, putting in good shifts for me. We're under, we're undermanned, under strength, but we still have a fighting Borough team that will go to Swansea full of confidence. And just finally, Borough Under-18s have exited the FA Youth Cup with a 5-2 loss to Sunderland last night. It was a thrilling, thrilling game. Uh, Sunderland going victors, though, in a 5-2 victory there. That is your morning headlines for this Friday morning. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the roads, the cat and the town. I'm definitely losing my voice. My you goodness, are. I can't get the, the normal Riley McGree out. It's, uh, the flu is taking me down, lads. All these digging trenches and, I don't know, it's, and, and, you know, having to lawyer up for Mikel Arteta and flying over, you know, for, for business flights is just taking... Taking me by win, but uh, I push on. I push on. Lads, we got to talk about it. This is the big one for me this morning. Uh, we obviously have four, three big games for the Northeast teams this weekend. We will talk about that probably closer in the next hour. But the big one and the news I wanted to get out of the way this morning and talk to Steve straight away is about Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta and how he's avoided punishment from the Football Association over the comments he made about the refereeing following last month's 1-0 defeat to Newcastle. Uh, we heard the uh, the clip just before, but Arteta called the video assistant referee's decision to allow the Magpies winning goal at St. James an embarrassment. It's it embarrassing. A it's a disgrace. That's what it is, a disgrace. Mm. That is our very, very good resident, Mikel Arteta, there. And that is what he had to say. Uh, he was later charged with misconduct, but the FA have said that an independent regulatory commission found the charge to not be proven after a hearing. Dave, I guess, let, can we start with you? Uh, obviously, our resident referee. I know, and I hope you will, I will hope you've coughed and that you were back, but I heard a hmm, which gives me the, the indication that yet. you are there. I haven't gone yet. I'm uh, okay, waiting to get good, deep good, in good. the conversation. Uh, all right, I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, can I ask, obviously, with, with you know, a, a former referee in yourself, Arteta making comments like this, we've just seen as well what's happened in Turkey as well. Surely it was a good opportunity to sort of get a little bit one back for the referees? It's an interesting one because what happened in Turkey and what came out of Arteta's mouth are chalk and cheese. Um, yeah. You know, a manager, 
really hacked off because he wasn't happy decisions went against him and his side is one thing uh, punching and and cracking the eye socket of a match official at the end of a game by a club owner is 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 effectively the ultimate that you can you can sanction against uh, an individual so on Arteta um, you know I'm used to I, I, I'm used to it now I'm used to seeing managers having a go you know I've, I've, I've had the whistle in my hand and I've been a referee so you've got to develop a thick skin uh, pretty quickly and that's what concerns me about Rebecca Welsh stepping into the Premier League we'll, we'll come on to that later you've got to develop a thick skin very quickly because it's part of the game it's part of psychology tactics that that players and coaches adopt on the field of play uh, I always remember when when I was an assistant referee uh, and this this will give you an indication of how players and managers can use words to try and and, and get better decisions in their view out of referees. I, I remember I was at Spennymore when I was a young up-and-coming linesman in the Unibond League, as it was called then, the Northern Prem. So I'm on the line. The referee goes down with a pulled fetlock five minutes into the game. And it was, uh, I think it was Spenny who were playing. Actually, I've got it wrong. It, was it Spenny? Because I came on at Spenny as a linesman. I came on at Whitley Bay when they were in the Northern Prem. It was one of those two. I've actually got a feeling it was Whitley Bay, this one. So it was Whitley Bay against Accrington Stanley. So the Accrington Accrington team were full of Scousers and Manx, who I'm sure we'll all agree, when it comes to uh, having a go, slagging off, being sarcastic, they are the masters of the trade. And the referee went down, pulled a fetlock after five minutes, and was like, Dave, you're on. So this was like my first official holding the whistle as as a Northern Premier League referee. And... And actually refereed the game really well. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm thinking, oh, this is good. I was applying advantage and pulling it back and, you know, cautioning people after the, after the ball had gone out of play and doing all that you're supposed to do. And I was, quite, I was quite confident with what was going on. We got to about, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes. So we're in the second half. And the keeper goes down injured and needed a, a fairly lengthy spell of treatment. And I'm standing next to the Accrington Stanley uh, co- um, captain. And, uh, and they'd been chirping at me all game. And we just, I mean, just as you do, you just get talking. Uh, and I said to him, oh, fella, am I having that bad a game? And he looked and he smiled and he had a bit of a laugh and he went, actually, I think you're doing really well, ref. He said, you were better than the other lad, even though we only saw him for five minutes. He said, do you fancy getting in the middle more often? And I went, yeah, that's the idea. He says, no, I think, so. I think you're having a decent game. I says, so why are you hammering me? And he just burst out laughing. He said, maybe that's one, one part of the game that you've got to learn and understand the more we have a go at you, the more we make you think you're, you're doing us a disservice so you might give us something next time there's a 50-50 ball. And that sums up what managers and players do. And that was only at the level of the Northern yeah. Prem. And, you know, and I've gone, I've, I've gone up higher and higher uh, in the refereeing ladder. And it gets more, the psychology gets more and more intense. So Arteta standing there in front of a camera after a game going, uh, it's a disgrace, it's an embarrassment. Do you know, for me, it's it's almost a non-story. Um, mm. Will it do any? Will it? I don't think there'll be a referee in the country that that is offended, put out, giving it a second thought that he's done it because we hear it so many times. Um, so that's why I said earlier. Do you know, I'm not really surprised. He, yeah. he hasn't been done. Had he have said that referee's bent, he's corrupt, he's whatever, then it's a personal attack. Him just going is the disgrace. Yeah. 
is is an embarrassment disgracia i i i you understood that you understood the the word badly um it's not a surprise at all mm, steve i just wanted to get your thoughts on it obviously you were on the other side of it with newcastle winning that game one nil uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you were there, you, you, you saw Mikel's comments after the game and, uh, yeah, your reaction that he's, uh, been cleared of any misconduct. Well, the whole, you know, disgracia thing is, is part of it. But if you look into the, um, if you look into the case, they also submitted, uh, written reasons as to why, you know, this shouldn't be, uh, you know, you shouldn't be punished for this. And it was interesting that they pointed to the weaknesses and failures of VAR. Um, they cited in the legal representation um, Liverpool's wrongly disallowed goal at Spurs as to why managers have a case because um, obviously Lucas Diaz saw a wrongly uh, ruled out for offside goal in that game and his side went on to lose 2-1 so from from their perspective they've they've done their case uh, files well submitted them and they've, they've, they've got off with one here um, you know clever clever really as well though to point out that disgrace here and disgrace are very similar and it could have been lost in <laughs> translation because that, that which, suddenly puts you which on which we all know is a load of crap well, of course we do, but it puts yeah. you on legal ground. I've told you on here before. I, I, I once did something with Durham FA where where we took another player down, and you know we got written uh, a written statement from you know from from somebody to say that it was you know him and not him, and the referee made a mistake, and we won that case, so we had a player that could play in a cup final. You know, you you're going to try everything you can, I guess, but you know it's up to the officials to be able to find you know find the weakness in your case, and and in this case they haven't been able to do it, so. Guess you've got to credit Arsenal and their lawyers for for pulling a flanker here because they, they've got a, they've got away with one on behalf of Arteta. But they'll be watching him like a hawk. Believe you me now to make sure that uh, you know in the future he doesn't get away with such a such behaviour. Um, you know he's, he's and he's got that in him. So there'll be another day for the FA. I'm sure where the uh, the, the the you know the punishment uh, suits the crime, uh, fits the crime, and and you know Arteta's got away with one here, but he won't get away with it on a regular basis. So let this be a warning to you, Mikel. Then <laughs> <laughs> if we had have seen, <laughs> if we had have seen someone in the championship, maybe Dodds or even Mogger towards the end of his tenure at Sunderland come out and say something similar. Do you think he would have been treated differently because he's not Mikel Arteta? Well, I guess you, you've got to be very careful how you explain an answer. Thanks for giving mm. me the most awful question out the lot. Yeah, you um, give us awful <laughs> questions all the time, mate, with what the fact. They're going to get oh. worse, don't you worry. Touchy, 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 touchy. He's 4 up. He's not going to be doing the... Uh... Anyway, right, uh, back to the question. Back to the question. Um, we'll not know, right? And, and you yeah. know, the VAR is is probably headed into the championship. I think we know that anyway. Um Potentially, yeah. I mean, maybe the championship clubs just can't afford as uh, as fancy lawyers. Uh, Steve's right; they've absolutely pulled a blinder there in the disgracia thing. Um, very, very cleverly done, gents. But uh, for me, look, Arteta was charged with breaking a rule which includes bringing the game into disrepute. Right now, whether he's caught his comments were that it was an embarrassment. And let's let's he's used the word it's a disgrace, right? He didn't say disgracia, he used the word disgrace. Of course he did. He's been in the country he's been in the country for twenty years. He yeah. knows the yeah. difference, right? He is he's yes, he for me, he's brought the game into disrepute by by calling the decision making a disgrace and an embarrassment. 
he has brought the game into disrepute. That, that, that's that's the long and short of it. However, as Steve rightly pointed out, VAR is bringing the game into yeah, disrepute as well. Give it a ban. <laughs> Give it a suspension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's. Uh, do you know what, Dave? That's not actually. I would love to see a month played without VAR in the Premier League and just see how that goes. Well, we like, uh, they, they'll we, never we like, do it. We like testing things uh, in the Premier League. You know, the FA, uh, anytime FIFA comes out with an initiative, it looks like the FA now grab it with both hands or the Premier League grabs it with both hands. So let's try it. It's brought the game into disrepute. Let's have a game without VAR and see what happens. Never happen. It's, it's, yeah, it won't. The thing for me as well is, though, if we go through by case studies, we look back at, the, obviously, that crazy game we saw in Liverpool's dramatic 4-3 win over Tottenham. We all remember that, we remember that well. Uh, but Jurgen Klopp, who was charged then uh, with improper conduct because uh, he had post-match comments about the refereeing in the Liverpool uh, win there. Uh, he, refer- he received a yellow card, obviously, during the game, though. Uh, so that was what was able to get, I guess, that charge over the line because he was yellow carded within the game. Now, it, obviously... It all depends on it, what they say. It, it, it depends on what you know, what where they're directing their comments to, and I think I was, this is I why Arteta. Though, Dave, is this it, is why Arteta got away with it because he it, yeah, didn't say the referee a, was a disgrace, correct. was an embarrassment. He didn't say the match officials were a disgrace, mm. an embarrassment. What he he didn't even say that decision was a disgrace, an embarrassment. What he said he, he was he used them quite, he quite the whole generally. System. He just said it's a disgrace, it's an embarrassment. Mm. So he wasn't pointing the finger, and I think that's how he escaped. Because mm. that's what I was going to say. Has it been? A, is it a cheeky sort of thing now that managers might save their comments till after the game, one avoiding disciplinary action, and then obviously throwing a blanket over the whole sort of system to sort of get their feelings and, and comments out. You know, and uh, we talk about the psyche of you, know, you were just breaking that down of, of the psyche between manager, I you know, Ila ref. And uh, yeah. I, I just think, you know, it, it does it give now a chance, <coughs> excuse me, a chance for other managers to go look over and go, well, okay, if I've got something to say about the ref, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm going to come out after the game. It's going to be a disgrace here. So it, it, I, I feel like, and that just sort of opens the, the, the doors up to that. And I, I think that it was a good chance there for the FA to come down and clamp on the disrespect we've been seeing all season from managers, players towards referees. Now, don't get me wrong, VAR has been a joke. We know that all true and it's well. Been and it disgrace, deserves criticism. And it's been an embarrassment. It, uh, yeah. it has. You will it get has, judged. Right? And it, you it, will get judged. That's what I say about our show every morning. <laughs> <laughs> you will get judged moving forward. You will get judged moving forward. They'll be keeping an eye on it. Yeah. I mean, Jurgen Klopp's had to calm down this season. If you remember, you know, earlier, yeah. you know, back back last season, and he was banned from the touchline, wasn't he, for a couple of games, and he was fined. Um, for his comments about Paul Tierney and you know his previous disciplinary record or run-ins with the FA counted against him so you know it, it will happen Arteta will be watched like a hawk now and if, if there's any more of this stuff going on you know whether it's in front of the cameras after the match or whether it's his histrionics on the on the on the touchline then you know he, they'll come down on him like a ton of bricks that's that's what will happen there's, there's no doubt about it but he's got away with one here um as you said probably because he didn't directly criticize you know because there's the translation issue and because they've cited var um it's, it's a job well done by arsenal but i guess you know the, the powers that be will be will, will be watching him like a hawk from now on 
You're saying they're watching them like a hawk, Steve, but as long as they're not watching them with a hawk eye, because they'll probably get that decision wrong as well. They'll get that wrong as well. (laughs) They'll draw the lines in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Oh, no. Sharp as a tack, mate. Today, our our poor game, (laughs) our poor game, and the situation, the VAR that it finds itself in. Anyway, what amazes me, just just before we finish up, what really amazes me, this is a general point, it's a disgrace. Um, What really... what really gets to me is how the governing bodies, that be FIFA, IFAB, who make up the laws, the Premier League, the FA, etc., around the world, just don't seem to comprehend the embarrassment that VAR is. No, no, they no. don't. No, they don't. No. Are they too, no. too insular, too blinkered, absolutely tunneled visioned to think that anything other than it's a shambles? They can capitalise on it now. It gives it gives how web content for his TV show now about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how far down. It gives content for how web and his, his new, you know, let's look back at the funny refereeing decisions that have been made. You know what I mean? They're, the they're cl- turning Cue it into the clown music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they're monetising it now. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I told you before, and watch, it will happen, lads. It will absolutely happen. They will use this <laughs> to use commercial breaks during football matches. Yeah, you mentioned wow. that, yeah. Dun, I'm dun, telling dun. you now, that's what this is leading to. Grassy knoll, yeah. puff of smoke, yeah. here we go. Rise, <laughs> <laughs> right, it is time for the sports news. We'll be right back. Ted, Rye and Steve, the North East Footy Breakfast. Right across the North the road, the cat and the town. Welcome on back to your North East Brekkie show. It is here with Rye, Steve uh, is it Ted? I think it's Ted the Mackham. I keep forgetting his name. I apologise. Uh, wow. And uh, wow. obviously really? David the studio pushing the buttons. I'm kidding, Ted. We love you. You know, I just got to keep you on your toes. Uh, I want to talk to you guys next about obviously the breaking news. Uh, and I, I kind of a kind of weird one for me because it just I don't I feel like it's a bit of a non-starter. But Rebecca Welch uh, is going to become the first Premier League uh, female referee. She's been chosen to referee the Premier League fixture of Fulham versus Burnley on the 23rd of December. Now, Welch has been refereeing for quite some time, starting in 2010, and in just in January, gone, she was the first woman to referee a men's championship game. Now, we've also seen uh, a, a liking uh, from the Football Association to lay out plans of trying to recruit 50% more referees uh, from all walks of backgrounds. Now, their Football Association put out a statement saying that by 2026, we're targeting an increase of 1,000 women referees and 1,000 black or Asian referees at all levels of football in three years. So currently, 8% of officials are of black or Asian ethnicity and only 3% in professional football. So it's interesting to me that there seems to be a a push, obviously, for, uh, for, you know, obviously, you know, different backgrounds and, you know, and... Obviously, female referees. I'm all for it, but lads, is it a question of shouldn't the the, the best person get the job? Uh, and and I just think, or and is it on the flip side? Have is is it have we just waited too long uh, to finally have our first female referee in the in the Premier League? I'll start with you, Steve. Do you think it's you know there's any there's any story here? Is it is it good for the game or is it just more um, you know the best referee? who's available should be the one in the Premier League because that's the top of our I mean, system within yeah. England. 
you've, you've, you've given me answer really I mean you know if she's good enough then yeah and she's just passed all the all the stages that you need to as a referee to referee in the Premier League then she's good enough then why shouldn't she do it but um, I think there's too much emphasis on all of this you know which sex should be doing you know you know which particular job you know We're, we've had this with Joey Barton in, in the last few weeks on, on social media you know saying that he there is a Mr Barton on the line actually he wants to comment about this <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Hang up. Honest, on, honestly, um, it, it's 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 not really big news to me. I think if she's good enough, yeah. then yeah, she should do the job. But uh, you know, it, it, we all seem to to have to make every news story in in every walk of life about sexuality or you know uh, you, you know there's got to be a big issue around it and for me i just i just get sick of it i don't enter these debates on social media because it's just you know something that will take up two and a half three yeah. hours of your day which which you don't need you know great news yeah because she's you know she's she's broken through and you know we've seen female officials run the line and for somebody to take charge of of a Premier League game is a big achievement. So it's it's a big achievement for her personally. So congratulations to her. Um, you know she could have a great game. She could have an absolute nightmare. But again, that doesn't mean that you know suddenly we should enter a debate to say that female referees shouldn't be refereeing men's games. It'll all depend on mm. what kind of fixture it is and what happens on the day. Um, I think you know one thing's for sure: she'll be better than VAR. Hundred <laughs> percent. Ted, do you think it's obviously? Um, I, I mean, is it? Is it? I feel like it's a, for me. It's a news story that doesn't really need to be given. Again, if she deserves the chance, if she's been doing the job, she's got all the credentials. She should just be given the good job, and it shouldn't be about uh, that she's a woman. It should just be about the reward that she's just a good referee. Uh, do you do you do you feel the same about that? The, the key word you're using there is should be, right? Now, we, we, we've we sort of, we've all grown up with, you know, watching football on TV, some of us even starting in black and white as well, like, and, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention any names or, or mention yeah, their yeah, ages. Yeah. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've become accustomed to seeing a, a white middle-aged guy in the middle of the park with his whistle. And that, that, that's how we sort of saw referees growing up, uh, and that was kind of the standard sort of thing. What I want to do, just to take a, a 30 seconds out, is actually highlight the fact that uh, Rebecca is actually, Rebecca Welch is a member of Sunderland Referees Association, actually, and they, they released a little statement saying, Sunderland Referees Association are delighted to announce that their member, Rebecca Welch, is to become the first female referee at Premier League game. Rebecca will referee the game on December the 23rd between Fulham and Burnley. Everyone at Sunderland Referees Association are extremely proud of Rebecca and it's a massive congratulations to her from each and every member. So great that it's 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 got, it's another little uh, feather in the cap for, for Sunderland RA who are a great referees mm-hmm. association. They're very, very open. Um, you know, we, we had young Dan Hughes on the other week as well talking about, and I'll bring it neatly back to the subject, that there's never been a better time to become a referee and actually get further in the game. Now, what this is doing now, and sort of, you know, it's, I believe it's going to be the first black referee since Uriah Rennie, is that correct? Which I think was 2008, his last game. I, th- I think I read yep, that somewhere. Correct, correct us if I'm Rennie's wrong. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Oh my Rennie's God, correct. my memory's working. Wow. <laughs> it's so not watching th- black and white TV anymore, Ted. That's where it's doing it. 
It's, it's that's that's what it is, yeah. On my little portable with a dial on it. Uh, I, I lived in those times, so it, it is great. But what that's doing is that that is is opening the door to to people who maybe just didn't think that was possible for them or, or achievable for them. I completely agree that if you are right for the job and if you are qualified for the job and good at the job, then you should be doing it. Right, you you deserve that to be there. You deserve to be given that opportunity, regardless of you know of of, of whatever you identify as sexually, whether it's you know what whatever you identify as in terms of um, in terms of your upbringing, where you're from, all that sort of thing. It doesn't matter. But by by highlighting this and by highlighting the fact of of, of what Rebecca's doing, it's it's given somebody else the thought of oh my god, I, I, I didn't think like I could do that. I didn't think there was a way yeah. for me to get there. And it, it, it opens that door. We are in need of more referees. We, we need more good referees. So where that comes from, it, it doesn't matter. All this is doing is opening the door to more people being given the opportunity to go and do it and, and, and realise they can get to the top of that profession. Yep, no, completely agree. I think it's for me it was a bit of a nod starter. It seems to be that we're sort of, you know, identifying just because she's a female that... You know, we, we need to sort of, you know, make it big headlines. You know, well, that's and it's, the story. maybe it's a prem. That's the it, reason. That's the, thing. the, that's pre- the reason why the Premier League that. PR. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, one stat that we have to look at, uh, and that I sort of needed to sort of just bring up as well, is that Rebecca has managed. Uh, sorry, has refereed seven games this season, and she's handed out thirty-four yellow cards within seven games. So she's uh, she's quite uh, a tough referee, if you will. Uh, so she's averaging 4.8 yellow cards per game. Uh, and just in uh, just in sort of retrospect, Anthony Taylor has shown 104 yellows in 22 games and has an average of 4.7 cards per game. So she's not one, she's not shy to uh, to throw the, the, the cards out as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how she goes and how she uh, manages her first time appearance in the Premier League. We wish her all the best here from the Northeast and I think it's going to be fantastic. And I think if it does inspire a, a, a young girl wherever you are in the world to be a referee, then I think, like Ted said, it's never, you know, it's never better time to, to get in there and, and get, you know, get your qualifications. We heard from the young referee just last week, one of Ted's friends uh, that was, you know, getting, you know, into the, the serious nature of the business and uh, you know how, how rewarding it can be. So we, we do like it, but it just seems to me, lads, that it's a scary time at the same time for, for referees as well, because, just on, on that, obviously, moving on from Rebecca, we've seen former before Premier do, League referee Mark... But before we do, can I just make a point? I wish Rebecca all the very best. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I loved my time refereeing, particularly when I was at the higher levels, and I wish I could mm-hmm. do it again. It's almost like a player that retires. You wish you could keep on doing it, but, you know, yep. age takes its toll, you don't pass fitness tests, you don't run as quickly, etc., etc. So I wish her every success, and I hope she's she is a huge success. But I hope that the PGMOL has selected her as uh, a referee to manage a Premier League game based on her skill set, her ability, and not because they can tick a social inclusion box. I really do hope that because it could backfire immensely. So, Rebecca, if you're listening, you're a good Northeast lass. We wish you every success. Enjoy it. It's fantastic. I, I, I wish you a long and storied career refereeing at the highest level of the game. But I just yeah. hope politics yeah, yeah. hasn't played its part in this. 
I really yeah. do. And that's on, my point. That's yeah. my point, Dave. That's my point. Yeah. Everything has to come down to this kind of woke society that we live in now. And um, mm. I, you know, I'd love to think that this isn't that kind of that kind of issue. I mean, at some point, you know, you, you will have somebody saying this is this is ridiculous, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You've just got to close your ears to that criticism and, and crack on and do what yeah. you've been doing. Because but she's she's you've not done the a great first job to get. Yeah. She's, no, not no, she's, not, she's not the first. You she's know, not Stefa- the first. You know, Stephanie. Stephanie Frappot. She's uh, she's a French match official. She's brilliant, and she's refereeing mm. Champions League. You know, she's not just uh, refereeing Liga 1 in France, but she's refereeing in the UEFA Champions League men's competition. She's a brilliant referee, and there's every reason that we should see female referees refereeing at the highest level of the men's game. I know our friend, uh, uh, we won't mention his name, I don't want to give him oxygen, Uh, he'll not be happy at this very fact, but um, there's another story we've missed, actually. Sam Allison. You know, it's been it's 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 his story's been told as being the first black match official since Uriah Ray. Yeah. There's a bigger yeah. story that's been missed, and maybe it's not as sexy yeah. to the media. He's a former player, mm. professional footballer. So this yeah. guy is now the first I might be wrong, but I'm sure this guy has become the first former professional footballer to referee in the Premier League or he's about to be. So there's been always yeah. this call about should ex pros be given the chance to referee at the highest level, you're now going to get it. One. This guy played for Bristol City, Bournemouth, Exeter. You know, all right. And Swindon, I think. All right. He hasn't been at Man City, Liverpool, Everton, Tottenham, Arsenal, or whatever. But he's a professional, he's a former professional footballer. So again, I wish him all the best as well. Yep. No, I completely agree. And I think the sentiment is exactly that is that we wish, you know, Rebecca all the best. We wish any referee. Uh, the best, but we just hope that it isn't a political decision. Uh, and I think that's, that sums up, you know, the thoughts you know, completely. Uh, that you know, this, uh, you know, the decisions can be made these these days because of how it looks in a PR sense. And I and I, I'd hate to think that as well. But uh, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. We've got to talk about just quickly, lads, before we reach the eight uh, a.m. news here. Uh, we will be discussing the three, obviously, Northeast games after the break as well. Uh, we've also got the Christmas quiz that's going to blow the stockings oh, off the tree of these three lovely men. Uh, I'm going to put them why, under why the microscope here. Uh, I don't know. Because we, we don't have fireplaces in Australia because it's too blimmin' hot. Is it Mario so. Balotelli? <laughs> hey. It could be. It could be. Was it Mario Balotelli? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's a disgrace. Former Premier League referee Mark Clattenburg is concerned that referees could leave the game. So we're talking just recently, just uh, obviously about the influx of referees um, from different walks of life that uh, the FA want to increase the referee uh, by a thousand uh, members by 2026. But Mark Clattenburg is on the opposite opinion, saying he's concerned referees could now leave the game as players lose faith in officials because of the inconsistencies around the use of VAR. Plus, also now seeing the, the unlikely uh, nature of referees being protected in the in the wake that Mikel Arteta hasn't been punished. So what he's referring to there is even though Mikel didn't abuse anyone directly, He's saying that he thinks that FA are going too light on managers because of their, you know, because of and, and not punish them adequately to make sure that they protect the referees out on the pitch. Ted, start with you. Your thoughts on what Clattenburg has to say. Do you think that we, is, do you have a concern that referees are, are leaving the game or 
there's going to be just a, an, uh, a, I guess a growing uh, concern of, of referees performances and, and that we're going to just start losing them one by one? Well, look, it, if they're going to leave the game, then <laughs> then we just need to up the recruitment because if, if you're going to fall out of love with the game over, over things like that, then, then it ain't for you. I think Clattenburg's creating a story out of nothing, though. Um, you know, you... you, you you talk about the likes of young Dan who we had on the other week. You talk with such passion yeah. about the way that the the want to manage a game, the way they want to communicate with the players. Uh, honestly, uh, I think I've never rated Clattenburg anyway. To be honest, as as a referee, I thought he was vastly overrated. He never never ever gave Sunderland anything, which is probably what I'm alluding to. Well, he's um, a Newcastle fan. <laughs> Well, there is that as well. Like, yeah, um, <laughs> not not a Who fan. Is? Probably the wrong person to ask. Clattenburg, yeah, yeah, he is. Chesler Street boy. I didn't realise yeah. he was yeah. a Newcastle fan. There you go. Yeah, he is. Sunderland yeah. fans did. <laughs> <laughs> Knew it all along. Not half. I, I I honestly I think I think he's very much um, overplaying this. I I don't think we're going to see this mass exodus at all. I think. Um, I, I, th- I do think referees do need that little bit more protection. I think they need more more support. Is is what I would say, not protection, support. Um, but you know, with with this new generation of referees coming in, I I honestly think as long as they get the VAR thing right, I think that this new generation of referees, I think the way that, that we've realised that just giving them abuse all the time is not helping. I, I'm actually a bit more positive about the future of referee, and I don't think there's going to be a mass exodus. I think we're going to see things get better. It can't sink any lower than it has been. It will get better. Mm. Do you think it's a, there's a, there's an uh, I guess a, a worry that they're leaving the game, Steve, uh, because of the lack of protection that they're getting? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've spoken about referees and, and recruitment on this show before haven't we and you know there's a major drive to try and get new referees uh, to to take up the game I mean you know this was happening when I was managing a Sunday team probably about 15 years ago so it's not something new uh, referees dropping off Um, it's Mm. uh, you know it's no surprise to hear um, that, that referees are maybe on the decline but you know I guess a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know referees do get a lot of abuse, and it's it's a big story in the news at the moment with uh, you know with what's gone on in Turkey, especially. Um, you know, referees probably could say that they want to be paid more, um, maybe even at the at the at the lower end of the scale because you know they the, they get less protection at that end. Um, but yeah, I can understand why people are walking away, um, but there needs to be. You know, there needs to be action at the top to protect referees and, you know, that's all the way down the pyramid. And I think that would, you know, that way you wouldn't have people who, you know, would feel as as, as threatened. But it's it's tough, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, I watch non-league uh, football in the northeast, and um, you know it, it. It's a hard place to go, you know, as a, as a young referee going up the, you know, going up the ladder. I know two lads who were pretty good at football, um, who both live in my street, who have both gone on the journey of being referees, and you know they're they're both you know just at slightly different levels, um, a couple of years between them, but they're making their way up there, and they've they've taken an immense amount and pride of going from. You know, referee in junior games of you know kids aged you know eight to eleven and you know eleven to fourteen and moving up that pyramid uh, to to now 
you know, m- you know, doing the Northern League, which which is a big jump up. You know, they've they've worked their way up the ladder. Um, I gave the I gave the two lads an opportunity when I when I was doing a charity game a few years back called the the Pavel Cup in in aid of Pavel Cernicek, uh, well in Pavel Cernicek's name in aid of a few northeast charities, and they came and ran the line for us. Um, their dad asked them if they could do it, and uh, you know, fingers crossed they go on because you know they're they're the future of the of the game on that side on the refereeing side, and um, you know they're making a few quid out of it now. The Northern League they get paid they get paid their expenses they get paid a fee for going but they both seem to enjoy it you know and whenever I bump into them in the street now they'll talk about the game that they've had at the weekend I always ask them and you know it was any controversy any any incidents but <laughs> it takes a special person um you know to, to be a referee because you know you've got to yeah. you, you know you've got you've got to be fit you've got to be able to get around the you've got to get around the pitch you've got to be able to communicate with people um and you've got to know the rules of the game and 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 and, and that's it and you know I, I i i often wonder whether i should have taken it up in a lot of ways me you know my granddad was a referee um at the highest level you know he you know he used to he, he was a referee and a and a, a linesman as we're called back in the day um you know in what is now the premier league you know back in the 1950s and 60s and he, he then went on to be a referee assessor and in those days you, you couldn't make a living from it you know he was a headmaster at a, a school during the day and he was a referee at the weekends and midweek and um right. I, I take a great deal of pride going through his, his books i mean i you know I've, I've, I've still got his little books from from all the fixtures that he did and uh you know some of the players that he came across and some of the grounds that he refereed at I've still got all these programs from the games that you know that that, that he did and uh, it's an amazing it's an it, it's a rewarding job maybe not financially mm-hmm. but it's a rewarding job as as somebody if if you couldn't make it as a footballer then referee and I would say is the next best thing so I'm I'm, I'm not working for anybody here to try and do a sales pitch but I, what I am what I'm, but you what should. I'm saying is if, <laughs> but you but should because you're dead right <laughs> it is hugely rewarding yeah anybody out mm. there who fancies giving it a go who you know who you know go and do it but Please bear in mind, you've got to start at the, the the lower level. But God, we've had some great referees, you know, from from this area who've gone on, you know, to, to do stuff. You know, some controversial characters, Pat Partridge, Pat um, Partridge. you know, Graham um, Graham, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, you've, uh, you've sorry, got George Courtney, Courtney. George Courtney, of course. Um, you've got Alan Dobson and yeah. uh, Alan Saunders. Uh, two, George two Tyson. Names. George Tyson. George Tyson. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we, you know, Peter Willis. Um, who was the first man, first yeah. referee to send somebody off in, a, in an FA Cup final in '85? Who was a good friend yeah. of my granddad's. So yeah, and, and you you know yeah yeah Darren that's Gillette. yeah you've got you've yeah. got some great you've got some great <laughs> names you've got some no. great names that come out of the North East. Jeff Winder, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Steve's right. Um, Dave, I just want I just on. wanted before you go on because I wanted to get your thoughts on it, but I just wanted to give you this stat because I wanted to get your your thoughts on this exact stat now late last month I was going to give you but let's have a listen well it could have been it could be the late last month UEFA head of referees Roberto Rossetti stood in front of a uh, with an impassioned plea saying we need referees Mm. he pointed out that roughly one in seven registered match officials quit the game every year and that while football is booming we are about 40,000 referees short across the 55 member associations Mm -hmm. 40,000 referees short and he called it a vocational crisis. Now, if anyone doesn't know what a vocational crisis is, it, it, they associate that when a young person is opting not to join. Uh, it's, it's a, they, they think it's a dying job because not many people want to do it from a young age. But they, but yeah, the, the head of referees, Dave, saying they're 40,000 referees short of where they should be to keep up with the modern game. Yeah, not surprised at all. I'll give you a, bit, a, a more local stat. In England alone... 
when I was refereeing, we had 33,000 referees registered with the FA. When I finished refereeing a dozen years ago, we had 27 to 28,000 referees. That's almost, it probably is, a 20% reduction, and that's natural drop-off. The, um, the local, and it's down to the county FAs. It's down to the local county FAs, whether it's Durham, Northumberland, uh, North Riding. It's up to them to put on basic referee training to try courses to try and attract the young referees in at the grassroots level. And I know North Riding have been particularly successful. I know that uh, it, it's my parent county FA and Ross Joyce, who's now moved on to the, uh, to the FA uh, based out of Wembley uh, very recently. He was, he was the RDO, the Referees Development Officer. And he was so, he's, he's a Football League official as well. He's a Football League referee. And he was so passionate about, you know, I offered him a job once with far more money uh, to come and work at FIFA and he turned it down because of his passion directly attached to refereeing and that's how passionate it can become you know i'm the boring sod whose wife keeps telling him to clear the bottom drawer of the filing cabinet out of the home office because i still retain every team sheet from every game i've refereed and some of these include malaysia against singapore international games and things like that um you know i've still kept them because every now and again i'll come across my god i remember that one you know i once got assessed in the old system, which wasn't out of 100, it was out of 10. You got marks. You know, you, uh, if you got over eight, you had a great game. I once got assessed in the... When I was up and coming in the Wearside League, I got 10 out of 10. It's the first time I've ever heard of an assessor giving anybody maximum marks on a game. You know, that sits proudly in that filing cabinet. That's the sort of attachment you get with the art of refereeing. But I've got to say, if you're a decent referee, if... You're a bit of a human being and understand the game because there are so many referees that don't at the grass level and they do attract uh, the problems that we're seeing. But it's a harsh environment and I don't want to kid anybody and I know we've got to go to the news. It is a super harsh environment out there. You get into the Sunday League and people bear yep. at you, scream at you, shout at you, abuse you. I've been, I've been physically assaulted as a referee Thankfully, it wasn't serious, but I had somebody throw a punch, a manager uh, in the northeast for a big northeast club uh, that we that that we have currently in in if you like the mid tiers of, of of our of our game. Um, threw a punch at me, realised what he was doing mid punch, and ended up being a, a slap across the face and a a poke in the mm. eye. You know, I've had that done to me, but it didn't stop me from refereeing because you can derive such joy out of it at the end of a game you blow your whistle it's been a really tough game you've had 22 players go at it hammer and tongs and okay at this point I'm starting to think about whether it's Northern League or Northern Prem or the National League you know and the players who've been berating you during the game turn round and offer you a handshake and say great game referee it's, it's, it's unique to refereeing. I can only think it's unique to refereeing. That was what used to give me so much pleasure. And then when you get up in the professional game and you start knowing these people, you know the players inside out, and they say, you know, they'll tell you that they're pleased that it's you that's turned up to referee. That's as much payback as you want. That's, a, that's yeah, from a yeah. referee's perspective. Because you build trust and you know that, you know, if you, let the play, if you let yourself down on the field of play, you know you've let the players down. You don't have to be told you've had a crap game. You know, that personal pride and drive to, to be as good yeah. as you can, just like a footballer, is what drives you on. You know? So I would encourage yeah. any youngster, now the support is magnificent going into refereeing. I started refereeing when I was 31, fellas. I wasn't a young kid when I started refereeing. I wanted to play the game. I mm. started at the age of 31. I ended up refereeing international games. 
I ended up refereeing on the on on the professional circuit. It was fan, it, absolutely fantastic. But the kids, this if, if you start this day and age a lot younger than that, the support is there. It wasn't in my time to bring you all the way through, and we've seen that with Rebecca from the Sunderland RA. You know, we're seeing it with with the lads that Ted brought on just a week ago. You know, he's flying. Yeah. He's, he's 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 a Grade Four referee. At how old was he? Twenty. Yeah. He's got twenty year old. He could well be in the Premier League in a matter of oh, seven, eight years. Yeah. Wow. It's brilliant. Jeez. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, we are late for the news. Uh, we've gone past it, but it seems to be the first hour was just a referee domination. Uh, ah, but so we do it that, should be we? every now we and do, again. We do that. And I just need to let you know, Radio Dad, that, you know, it might not be on paper, but all three of us will give you a 10 out of 10 uh, you know, because, you know, we, we appreciate you here. So, you know, if I press the right button at the right time, yeah, yeah, okay. Unlike Ted, who's minus two over here, play the news. Oh, wow. Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. Hurry down the chimney tonight. Bit of Aussie flavour creeping in there. Kylie and Santa Maintenance, isn't she? Gee, maybe she wants a convertible Christmas decorations from Tiffany. Wow. I mean, I like Kylie. Remember you used to sing like that to me, Ted? Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Look, I was young and I needed the money. (laughs) (laughs) What a horrifying thought. I never ever want to have that thought again. <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> oh, really? Can we move oh, on? <laughs> Let's get on to your club headlines. It is 10 past eight here on the Northeast Brecky Show. Really? We're going there straight away. Brilliant. Magpies oh, and yes. Proud. Mags News. Newcastle returned to Premier League action on Saturday when the Cottagers provide the opposition in an old fashioned, non televised three o'clock kickoff. That is their Fulham. To those of you who don't know the nickname, the Magpies are seeking a seventh successive top flight victory at St James's Park, which is something they haven't achieved since the 02-03 season. Kieran Trippier serves a one-match suspension after reaching five Premier League bookings. There are also three other players who have one yellow card away from suffering a similar fate. Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff and Jamal Lascelles. We await an injury update this morning from Eddie Howe at his press conference. Newcastle have been left counting the cost of elimination from the Champions League at the group stage. Newcastle pocketed about 4.6 million for the win over Paris Saint-Germain and the two draws against AC Milan and the League One club. They also netted 13.37 million for playing in the group stage, but they missed out on 8.6 million for failing to get to the last 16, with another 10 million on offer to reach the quarter-finals. Also, uh, big news uh, from uh, the charity world, and that is uh, having sold out earlier this year, Northumbrian Tartan to Bobby Robson Foundation scarves are once again available through the Newcastle Hospitals charity. There are a range of pure new wool and lambs wool scarves in the distinctive black and white shepherd or border plate have been produced by Northumberland Tartan, which is co-owned by the family of England cricketer and Newcastle fan Steve Harmison. The stylist match day attire is raising funds for the foundation and will help continue pioneering cancer treatment and support services 
including the clinical trials of the new drugs at the Sir Bobby Robson Cancer Trials Research Centre. If you're interested in helping the charity and buying a scarf, get yourself onto the website, which is at the uh, charity shop part, uh, Newcastle Hospitals, NHS.UK. That's your Newcastle news on Friday morning. Smoggies and Proud, Borough News. Good morning, Borough fans. Happy Friday as we look towards Swansea and to turn our season back in the way we want to be going. With Hayden Hackney closing in on return for the Borough, Michael Carrick has used his press conference to reveal that Riley McGree, the Aussie GOAT, and my best mate will not be too far behind in what feels a rare positive injury update. Borough have had some rotten luck with injuries of late and were without eight first-team players during their midweek defeat to Hull City. It has meant only two of Carrick's nine substitutes were over the age of 25, with the Borough bus having to lean on the Borough Academy to prop up his matchday squads right now. And obviously, during this festive period that we're going through and with these injuries taking their toll, with Borough losing four of their last five games, Carrick was great relieved to be able to provide some positive news on star man Riley McGree and also provided a nice update on Marcus Force who's been out with a thigh injury as well. While there's a good chance that Borough will still only head to Swansea with the same squad they had available for the last week uh, which saw the defeats to Ipswich and Hull City the Borough bus remains upbeat and full of belief in the players he has available. He concluded that it would be nice to have them back of course but they're because they're all good players, the ones that are out injured. But listen, the boys that are here, the boys that are available, the squad that I will take to Swansea are great players as well. I keep saying that because it's difficult in some ways in talking so much about who I don't have while we need to remember who we do have and they will put in a shift for this shirt every day of the week. And just finally, Borough Under-18s have exited the FA Youth Cup overnight with a 5-2 loss in an entertaining game to Sunderland. It was an interesting game uh, with Sunderland being 4-0 up at halftime, Borough bringing it back with two goals in the second half, but Sunderland going out victors 5-2 there. On to Swansea this weekend with a couple of players returning in the next coming weeks. Don't worry, Borough fans. We'll be back. We'll be better than ever. Happy Friday. That's your headlines. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Morning, Sunderland fans. Welcome to Almost the Weekend. Mike Dodds will take charge of Sunderland's trip to Bristol City on Saturday as the club's search for a successor to Tony Mowbray continues. Dodds has overseen back-to-back wins against West Brom and Leeds since stepping in as interim head coach and has planned out the club's preparations building up to Coventry City's visit next weekend. Sunderland have been interviewing a number of candidates to take on the role with a decision likely sometime next week. The interim top man says he's had no official discussion over whether he's in contention to be the next coach. I haven't asked, Dodd said. I've planned up the Coventry next Saturday, so that just means that until the football club tells me otherwise. And I appreciate it seems like a stock answer. It's just business as usual for me. Jensen Silt is expected to be available for Sunderland's weekend trip to Bristol City despite sitting out training yesterday. While Jay Matete and Timothy Pembele have been penciled in for next week's under-21 game against Arsenal. Dutch defender Silt was substituted 20 minutes from time in Tuesday's win against Leeds, suffering from a minor muscle issue, but should be fit to travel with the team to Bristol. Jensen didn't train on Thursday, but that was more precautionary, said Dodds. The news comes as a potential indicator that temporary boss Mike Dodds won't be shy in trying new formations and styles of play. And finally, over the past few days following the news that Sunderland would not be appointing Kim Helberg and all that will still drama, the search continues for a new head coach, with another man in Sweden being interviewed. 
The news comes up from Afton Bladet, who revealed on Thursday afternoon that IFL Sport Manager Jimmy Thelin is also in the running for the Sunderland job. They state that the 45-year-old has been interviewed for the job of head coach at the Stadium Light, but the Championship side are not the only ones after him. Of course, the minute the next coach is un un officially unveiled, you'll hear it first on The Cat and looked at in depth right here on the amazing Northeast Footy Breakfast on The Cat, The Red and The Toon. That's your Friday headlines. Ted, Rye and Steve, the Northeast Footy Breakfast. Right across the Northeast, the Red, the Cat and The Toon. Now, before you jump into the rest of the show, Rye, we've had communications. So, Daniil's been on oh. this morning. He sent us a WhatsApp. Morning, you can Daniel. WhatsApp the show. Morning. Morning, uh, You can WhatsApp the show if you've got any comments, morning, points, you want to call us names, anything like that. Uh, I mean, we've taken such a refereeing slant. I think we should get some referee-type name-calling uh, via WhatsApp this morning. 0330-043-2002 is the studio number. Morning, gents, says Daniil. Uh, you definitely need rhino skin when refereeing. I often used to step in as a ref whilst being an assistant coach of my son's team. In one game I refereed, an opposition shot went past the post while my son was in goal. I couldn't tell if my son had touched the ball or not, but like a good one, he owned up and said, Dad, I touched it. So I awarded a corner. The coach was far from pleased. Luckily, no goal was scored from the ensuring corner. So thanks for that one, Daniil. There you go. Um... Let's not talk about coaches cheating because they do. Uh, but gentlemen, <laughs> on a more on a more formal formal note, we've had a letter addressed oh. with reference a use, letter use of the term creepy uncle. Oh, Ooh. oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, I wonder who that. Okay, dear dear who radio dad, open brackets, yes. aka boss man, close brackets. My client Daz <laughs> has brought to my attention your brekkie show pundit. <laughs> Ted has, and, and Ted was in court, has slighted my client by the on-air use yep. of the term, quote, creepy uncle, unquote. Accept this, this note as a formal cease and desist request. Please note, should, should your team member not do this, we withhold the right to respond formally by calling him a steaming Edward III type of trumpeter. Yours. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. Uh, I, 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 I'll consult my legal team and we may respond next week. <laughs> I know a good lawyer. It's a disgrace. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's a disgrace and embarrassmental. Well, yeah. we've got our first letter handwritten yeah. into our, our Ted the Mackham. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's only taken, what, three, four months of the show. We finally had a handwritten letter. Well done, Ted. Congratulations on thank, being the first uh, fan you. mail. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what. I think as well, the, the sign of the show growing has also stemmed uh, to impersonations. Uh, because if you uh, if you check Twitter, uh, Ted and Rye, um, I've copied yep. you in on um, the, the Australian TikTok duo Shepmates. Um, who uh, brought to life oh, Michael yes. Smith's incredible nine daughter in last year's World Darts <laughs> Championship. I am pretty sure the guy with the green cap is a, re a relation to Rye. Oh, my um, word. I'm just I looking at it now. I'll let you watch that. Uh, I'll let you watch that. Yeah, that is Rye, isn't it? That is, that is Rye. Oh, they, they, are copying, they are copying Rye. Dear me. Is it really? But, guys, you've just... Steve, thank you. You've just oh. jogged my memory from something that happened yesterday. We are oh, being on. followed... Oh, no. We are now being officially followed mm -hmm. by Mick. Oh, 
Are we really? Regards, okay. Mick. Regards, Mick. Oh. Yes. Regards, Mick. He's, Regards my, he's, Mick. My, he's huh? literally my favourite Australian. Oh. <laughs> that would be the old man. It would I'd be the you. old man. Rega- he signs off regards Mick on every message. Still does it. Can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, the fact you the old man. There's no message coming yet, so we haven't actually seen no. regards Mick. But we are being now no. followed formally by regards Mick. Uh, no, talking, Mick. So we're talking Twitter, are we? I can't remember. I think I, it would be Facebook. I think he's a, on Facebook. I think it's Facebook. He doesn't use it that very well. Yeah, I think it's Facebook. <laughs> I think it's Facebook. He's not too good on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, as, I said, as I said, with his technology prowess of signing on every iMessage that I get with regards, Mick, even though I know it is coming from him, uh, I still get uh, messages from my dad, by the way, not not regards dad either, it's regards Mick, his first name, uh, on every message uh, from my old man. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the story Brilliant. there if you've missed it. Well, he's with us now. Uh, I get he's regards Mick. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He's a follower. <laughs> and uh, and while the messages are coming in thick and fast, uh, Jack, we're going to say a morning to Jack Clements, uh, who's just morning, sent Jack. me three laughing emojis so i can only assume uh, they came in immediate on the back of the formal written letter we've just received so there you go <laughs> absolutely love it no thank you to everyone tuning in and make sure you get in touch with us it's good to hear from you uh, especially around the christmas time as we close in on uh in almost you know that what's you know 2023 the year that started this amazing northeast brekkie show can you believe it i can't believe oh, it no. we're oh, going to uh quickly put a halt to all football talk, though, ladies and gentlemen, because I've got a quiz for all three no. gentlemen here this morning. It is a Christmas football quiz. I need a nice Christmas backing track, Dave, if you would. Do we have Something a jingle? Something not to... Do we have a jingle? No, no, I, if you've got a jingle, I don't no, have no, a jingle. I don't have one prepared. You, you don't you have Why would you have a jingle for your quiz? I haven't prepared a jingle. I haven't. I am jingle-less this morning. I was unable to prepare a, a Christmas jingle in time. I do apologise. But it is a Christmas football quiz. And as soon as we're done here, we will be talking about the three games this weekend uh, for the rest of the show. Trust me. But I need to put these lads under the pump in what I'm calling Rise Christmassy Football Quiz to take the stockings off their trees. Give me a Christmas jingle when you're ready, Dave. Anyone? Anyone. The only Christmas Christmas, uh, tune we could play. I absolutely love it. Listen to it. Let it get into your heads. I'll bring the mood up. Right, oh boys. Okay. Uh, well, if you if you're not happy morning. with that one, we'll do another one then. No, this is perfect. I liked it. Oh, brilliant! Oh. Perfect. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yes. Good scene. Righto, this is how it's going to work, lads. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It's all relation to football around the Christmas time. No. All right, I'm going to give you four multiple choice answers. Right, it's going to be a competition between the three for the winner to get a special prize next week. Okay, it'll be multiple choice, and there'll be a, if there is a winner, right? We will get he will get a special prize from myself next week. Wait. Right, what could that be? And if there's a (laughs) a tie, by the end of the questioning, there will be a tie break as well, okay? So I need all three of you to answer, and I'll keep track of what what your answers are, right? And the scoring here, and we'll have a winner at the end for a special prize from Riot next week. Okay, get your thinking caps down, put your stockings on, give a note to Santa because here comes your first question. Yeah. <laughs> you want me in suspended? No, you don't. <laughs> Lads, your first question. When was top flight football last played on Christmas Day in England? 
Was it A, 1948, B, 1959, C, 1967, or D, 1974? I'm going to start with you, Ted. So give us the options again, Matt, sorry. It is A, 1948, B, 1959, C, 1967, or D, 1974? Uh, 67. Dave, A, B, C, or D? I don't think it was as early as some of the others, because I remember, uh, I don't remember it, but there was a game actually played when I was alive. I'd just been born. So I'm going to go for... I'll agree with Ted. I'll go 67. Steve? Mm. Give, us the, give us the options again. Is it A, 1948, B, 1959, C, 1967, or D, 1974? Well, I'll the go last for time, top I'll, flight football. I'll go for 1974 because the lads have both gone for the same answer. So I'll, I'll be the different okay. one, mate. Well, I'm sorry, lads, to tell you, but no one's gotten it right. The answer was B. The last time Top Flight Football was last played on Christmas Day in England was oh, 1959. Top we've flight. all started off with the downs. Top Flight. We've all started off with the downs. you got to listen to the question. What, you what, listen what to the year question. was it? 1959 was I'm the last sure time. I'm not sure about that, mate. Dave, mate, was, mate. Dave was into his sixth you season as a referee. Hey. You can dig in. <laughs> <laughs> These I'm going to look into that, that one. I've got on good authority, I'm but you can, challenge. We, we can look into it. I'm going to hey, challenge. I will look, challenge. I will look into I'm this now, one. I'm we'll now gonna, I'm on now, I have now Googled it, and it says um, oh. 1959, first division Thank contest you. between Blackburn and uh, Blackpool at Ewood Park. That's what I've got. And a lower league clash between Coventry and Wrexham with the last Christmas Day fixtures in England for several years. Thank you, Steve. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Uh, With uh, the last ever coming Blackpool played it, I'm sure. In 1965, yeah, when it came, it was another all Lancashire affair in the top flight between Blackpool and yes. Blackburn. Hosted at Bluefield Road, the Tangerines won 4 2 yes. with a young future World Cup winner by the name of Alan Ball. Alan Ball! Among the scorers. And so a decades long tradition came to an end. So that's 1 0 to me and the lads because the last ever game was 65. Yeah! We win by it default. Was, was, it, was it a top flight game? Was it a top flight game though? I think it was. I think Blackpool it were was. The top it was top flight. flight. It yeah. says it was a top flight between Blackpool and Blackburn. Good. Well, there you go. 1 0 to Ted, David, One point. Come on! Let's give them all a uh, hell on. There's uh, absolute hell on. Now it's time for the second question. Come on, then, right? Whose festivities in the early 1970s were ruined by the sacking of his father as a manager? during the family Christmas Day lunch. I'll read that question again. Wow. Whose festivities in the early 1970s were ruined by the sacking of his dad or father as a manager during the family Christmas Day lunch? Was it A, 
Arsene Wenger. B. Roberto Mancini. C. Jose Mourinho. Or D. Gianfranco Zola. I'm going to go flip it around. Steve. A, B, C, or D? I think I know the answer to this. And it's because I've heard the story, I think. But I'm going to go Jose. Dave, A, B, C, or D? Hmm. What year did you say? Did you say 70s? Um, early, early 1970s, correct. Yeah. Can't have been. Was ruined by the sacking of his dad or his father when they found out during the family Christmas Day lunch. I'm trying to think. Dad's. Um, That's not an answer. No, 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 no. Oh, this is. <laughs> I mean, you've got to go. You've, you've got to look at Jose Mourinho for daft things. But I can't agree with Steve. I mean, it, it just would be boring if we agreed with each other. So I will go, though I think it's Jose Mourinho, I will go Mancini. Okay. Just to be, just to be different. And Ted? It's something about... I'm with Steve on this. There's something lurking at the back of my mind that this is something to do with Jose. Yeah. It... it, it it could only happen to the Mourinho's. That'd be a great. That's exactly. That's exactly where I was. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't all I'm, keep agreeing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Mourinho. Correct, Amanda. Yeah. Mourinho. Yes. Yeah. I should have just Mourinho. gone. I should have just <laughs> gone. Jose Mourinho. Found it's okay out though, because you're part of our. Act. You're part of our team, Dave. Uh, that's two 0 <laughs> to Dave, Stephen, to Ted. Oh, is it us against him? Yeah. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, why don't I've we just brought that? I've just brought that rule in. Okay. Well, if that's I'm, the case, I'm we, just, that, we all go for different in. answers, so we're bound <laughs> to get we're, we're bound to get somewhere right. near. Right, I hadn't caught done first time round, so I've brought that rule in, and now it's completely destroyed it. <laughs> oh, you're ruining quiz day for me. I was so excited. I didn't even have a Santa hat and everything. I can't believe it. You're ruining it for me. Right, next question, because we're, we're going to get into the club talk as well for the games on the weekend. So we're going to get into and the this. Joke. And, oh, yeah. the joke, and, and the joke. And the joke. And the Christmas okay. cracker. Next question. Your next question is one close to our hearts. The Middlesbrough squad pulled out of a Christmas... Well, pulled... Sorry. The Middlesbrough squad pulled a Christmas sickie by failing to appear for a game against Blackburn in 1996. What reason did the manager Brian Robson give? Dave, you know this. Is it A, flu bug? B, they were all hung over from their Christmas party? C, <laughs> food poisoning from a dodgy turkey? Or D... Their winless league run. Ted, why did Middlesbrough pull out of a Christmas, pull a Christmas sickie by failing to appear for a game against Blackburn in 1996? What reason did manager Brian Robson give? Did he say A, there was a flu bug? B, it was a Christmas party hangover? C, the squad got food poisoning from a dodgy turkey? Or D, their winless league run? I think it was flu. Locking it in? Locking it in. Locking it in. Steve, A, B, C, or D? Well, I think it was 
flu as well. Okay. And Dave? Well, that's where we uh, we then employed Carmen, didn't we, to uh, to fight the three point deduction, and uh, we we lost it. And I then dropped thirty thousand signed cards of protest on the uh, the front steps of the Premier League office in London. Uh, it, I mean, so you the were offici- littering. The official, yes, I was. Um, the official, uh, the official reason was flu, but I'm sure the unofficial reason is they were all hung over because we know how Robbo used to love a drink. <laughs> but there you go, I'm going flu. Lock it in. Lock it in. You were all correct. Collapse all around. You've all gotten points on the board in that one. Right. We're going to get into some tougher questions. We've got two more questions to decipher the boys from men here. And who's going to get the rice special Christmas treat next week? Oh, it's a doozy. Right. Your next question, lads. (laughs) Which of the following players, past and present, was not born on Christmas Day? Which of the following players, both past and present, was not born on Christmas Day? A, Chris Kamara. B, Gary McAllister. C, Robbie Elliott. Oh, did you? Hello? We're cutting Ted's power again. Or D, Roque Santa Cruz. Right, I'll repeat it again just for Ted. Which of the following players, past and present, was not born on Christmas Day? A, Chris Kamara. B, Gary McAllister. C, Robbie Elliott. Or D, Roque Santa Cruz. I'll start with you, Dave, the man in the middle. A, B, C, or D. Which of those was not born on Christmas Day? No idea. I am that. I am that reindeer with As no idea, uh, no eyes. This is I've where we no get idea. the men so from the boys. Go, I told you. I am gonna go. Feeling in my water. Rocky Santa Cruz. Cammy was born on Christmas Day. I'm sure. Was he? Stevie. Can which one of those four was? Can you clarify which Rob Elliot it was? Robbie Ooh. Elliot. I can. Oh. I certainly can. <coughs> Excuse me. The tension is on the Are we talking the goalkeeper or the left back? No, I'm talking the... Defender. Yeah, the left back. The, the Newcastle boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robbie Elliott, defender. Well, I'm... Who is currently 49 years of old. What, when was he born? <laughs> you when he was born. <laughs> um, Robbie Elliott, who rep- represented Newcastle United for 79 games. So Dave's, well, Dave's gone for Santa Cruz. I've got no Correct. idea on this, to be perfectly honest. I've got um, no idea, Steve, so don't boys. take my lead. And you've said Kamara isn't isn't born on uh, is feeling, born on Christmas Day. I, I had a feeling he was, but now I'm I'm second guessing myself. So take no notes of me, mate. And I've got no idea when Rob Elliott was uh, Robbie Elliott was born. Um, so it's a, it's a toss up between Robbie Elliott and Santa Cruz for me. Um, I'll go. I'll, well, I'll go with Robbie Elliott because obviously you've said Santa Cruz. And Ted, our resident Mackham, A, B, C, or D, good sir. I. I understand your psychology, which is worrying for me. 
Um, it's worrying for all of us. I think I see what you've done here. Oh. There are four players' names. One of them is called Santa, which is a, a Christmas red herring, <laughs> in my opinion. Has mm. he taken a leaf out of Ted's book? I think the odd one out is Rocky Santa Cruz because he's the only one with Santa in there and you were just trying to think of a Christmas-themed player who wasn't born on the 25th of December. <laughs> oh, oh. oh would, would it automatically attract us to saying Rocky Santa Cruz? It could be. Because it's a Christmas name. Nah, nah. It's, See, what have I done? I think, I think, nah, he's not that intelligent. Rocky Santa Cruz is the odd one out. <laughs> With, with much love. Rocky Santa Cruz. I'm in the lead. I'm in the lead. Well, you're not, because we're sharing it. I've told you. Oh, we're not now. <laughs> Final question, lads. Final question. It was Rocky Santa Cruz. All three well, other players were born on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> the final question right to wrap up who gets Rice Christmas oh, present next up. week which is fantastic <clears throat> the final question Mario Balotelli <laughs> since the start of the Premier League which is the only club to have avoided relegation after being bottom at Christmas I'll read that to you again since the start of the Premier League which is the only club to have avoided relegation after being bottom at Christmas? Is it A, Sunderland, B, West Brom, C, West Ham, or D, Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers? I'm going to start with you, Ted the Mackham. A, B, I C, or D. One. I know this one. It was an absolutely incredible achievement. Sunderland never, ever did that. Um, yeah, it, it was West Brom. Dave? Uh, I thought Sunderland had done it, but I know West Brom have done it. Could he be tricking us here? Didn't, didn't Sunderland do it, Ted? We weren't bottom. All oh, right, OK. Believe it or not, there was somebody worse than us. Uh, At that stage. <laughs> I'm sure Sunderland were bottom and they escaped. But I know West Brom's definitely the answer. Uh, one of the answers, because I know they did it. I think he's throwing us a curveball. Well, you're the Sunderland guy, so you must know. So I'm going to say West Brom. And finally, Steve, A, B, C or D, good sir. West Brom. Correct, Amanda. The answer was West Brom. Yes. West Brom was the answer. Good He's never going to be wrong with those two boys, So that means, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the winner of our Christmas footballing quiz, the person who's going to receive the absolute best gift that an Australian can ever give a certain person is Ted the Mackham. Round of applause. Get in. Get in. Ted the Mackham. I'll give him a round That's of applause. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We're all, we're all going together. I'm not even going to applaud. We all go together. Bum, bum, Tender Mackham, congratulations. Bum, bum. Your football Boom. Christmas knowledge is five out of five, good sir. That's it. That's I'm not watching any more of these stupid games. I'm not playing any more of these stupid games. <laughs> absolutely garbage. love it. People Steve's just about to go full on Keegan. <laughs> I would love it if I beat him. I would love it. <laughs> You've got to go to Middlesbrough. <laughs> they do. They do. Right, Steve, pull us back in, mate. Pull us back in. Give us your, Give us the Christmas cracker for the morning. 
Here we go, lads. Okay. Why did nobody bid for Donna and Blitzen on eBay? Why didn't nobody No bid? idea. They were too dear. No idea. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Mrs. Ted, get the sick bucket. Good one, that, lads. It's another good one. Christmassy one this time. I have uh, a point of order. Point of order. Point of yes. order. On the yes. 25th of December, 2013, in the Premier League, so on Christmas Day, 2013, Sunderland were in 20th place with just 10 points from 17 games. Did you go down in 2013-14? Oh, God. Um, it was a time when we were up and down, like the proverbial. I love that you're fighting for your for Rise Christmas present as well, Dave. Good to see. Good to see. But with the bottom. <laughs> right. Of well, why he googles that and gets the answer? Let's talk football because we got three games this weekend, just prior to Christmas, for the three northeast teams. Uh, we will go over and we'll get your predictions, lads, as well. Let's start off with the Premier League uh, and we'll go straight to you, Steve Fulham, coming down to uh, Newcastle. Fulham coming off a, a big win, uh, 5-0 over West Ham. I am uh, incredible. I am incredible. <laughs> Newcastle obviously looking to get back to winning ways after a, uh, a you know, a, 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 you know check coming out of the Champions League uh, and uh, looking, you know, looking confident uh, in trying to get some of the players back there, Steve. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're always at a disadvantage on a Friday morning because Eddie Howe doesn't do his press conference until a little bit later on this morning. So, you know, we're not aware of any um, new injuries at the moment. Lots of rumours flying around about Anthony Gordon potentially having a knock and uh, not being available. Jamal Lascelles potentially carrying a knock. But it's all speculation at the moment in the uh, internet ethos. So uh, we will have to wait and see. But um, we do know that Kieran Trippi is unavailable to play uh, tomorrow because of a, a five uh, the five yellow cards uh, Rocha have been reached so he's he's serving a one match suspension and uh, you know as for as for Fulham well Tim Ream remains out uh, they're, they're going to await fitness on Willian who's been one of their star players it has to be said over the last couple of games in their two uh, two five nil wins uh, Issa Diop and Adam Traore uh, well they could potentially be back uh, but as I've already mentioned, you know Fulham come with their tails up. They uh, had back-to-back wins over Nottingham Forest and West Ham in the Premier League, uh, 5-0 in both games. The form away from Craven Cottage, though, isn't that impressive. Uh, they've had just one win. Uh, that was a 1-0 win at Everton on the opening day of the season. They have had some draws, though, at Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Brighton, uh, but they've lost games at Manchester City, Tottenham, Aston Villa and Liverpool. So not not fair and well against those teams at the top end of the table, it has to be said. Uh, 16 of the 26 goals that they've scored uh, in the season so far have come in the last four games. So they've found their shooting boots and they've had no less than nine different players scoring in the games. Um, but yeah, this is, um, this, this is a tough game just because Newcastle aren't in, in great form. Um, in the Premier League. The last two Premier League games, of course, losing 3-0 at Everton, 4-1 at Tottenham, two away games. Uh, and it's it's really starting to show that Newcastle's away form uh, this season is, is, is very, very poor indeed. Um, the home form, however, as I, as I mentioned in my headlines, is, is, is superb. And they're, they're looking to get seven, seven home wins, uh, you know, in a row, which is the first time they'll have done that since 0-2-0-3. So, 
the the crowd um, play an important part tomorrow. The twelfth man, uh, you know, th there'll be that you know, you know, little bit of disappointment after being you know knocked out of the Champions League. But football fans get over disappointment quite quickly. We you know we've got to get behind the lads and make sure that they, you know, they know we're there and um, you know try and cheer them to victory. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a it's a tough game because it's our next game. Um, and it's you know it, it's just a question of which personnel is going to be available. Callum Wilson looked as if he was struggling against AC Milan to me the other night. I wouldn't be surprised if he was rested uh, for the Carabao Cup. I'd fully expect Alexander Isak to start as our front man tomorrow. Um, if um, Livermento isn't right back again I'll be surprised at that it's a natural position for Livermento and with Trippier out Livermento could find himself you know holding down that position uh, tomorrow it'll be interesting to see you know what else you know what else he does what other changes if, if Gordon has got some kind of knock he may well be rested for Tuesday night as well for the Carabao Cup game and you know, it, it it's then down to what personnel's available. You know, Harvey Barnes can't be too far away. Um, you know, that, that, that will be playing on Eddie Howe's mind. There was, you know, talk of him being available towards the back end of December, which I think would point towards the Carabao Cup game on Tuesday. You know, uh, maybe he could return then. Sven Botman, again, shrouded in mystery as to what is going on with him and how long it's going to take for him to come back. But... But yeah, it, it's it's very much a case of you know just seeing what we've got and and, and who's available and, and and Eddie Howe having to rotate. Um, you know, a lot of people saying that when we went out of the Champions League, it would have been it's going to be easier, but it's certainly not easier coming over Christmas. And I'll I'll repeat as I have on the show before. You know, we've got Fulham and on Saturday, Chelsea on Tuesday, then Luton on Saturday away. Then on Boxing Day, we've got Forest at home. Liverpool away on New Year's Day, Sunderland away on the uh, 6th of January and then Man City at home on the 13th and then Aston Villa away on the 30th. Big, 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 big couple of months for Newcastle this and fixtures are still coming thick and fast. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord we are out of Europe because add Europe to that, it would have been even worse. So, yeah, I, I fancy a tough game tomorrow. Um, I don't see Fulham... I don't see Fulham beating us tomorrow. Um, but I don't see Newcastle comprehensively winning the game. I'm gonna go for a I'm gonna go for a draw tomorrow, which stops the rot, if you like, and sets us up nicely for the game against Chelsea on Tuesday, which is my priority. I, I'd love to see Newcastle get something out of tomorrow's game and then go on to go on to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday, put a great performance in and get our place in, in the semi-finals, which uh, which will give everybody a big lift going into Christmas. But yeah, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw for Newcastle tomorrow. Entertaining, I think it'll be. I think both teams like to play football, but I'm going to go 1-1. I am going for a thrilling uh, game. I think both teams are going to have good goals in them. Uh, I'm going for a 3-2 victory to Newcastle. Ted, your prediction for that game? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to echo Steve. I mean, Fulham come to St James's Park in a, in a run, good, run of good form. Uh, won the last two. Newcastle obviously lost the last two. Something's got to give there a little bit. I kind of see Fulham winning three on the bounce. Uh, so I, I reckon a, a tasty one-all draw, but I do agree it'll be a good game to watch that. And Dave, your prediction? Oh, um... I was hovering over the one-one draw, but if I remember correctly, uh, last Friday I think I was plumbing, uh, I was plumping for one-one for everybody. So I'm not going to go there. One-nil Newcastle win. Ooh, interesting, interesting. Okay, on to 
Bristol City taking on Sunderland. Bristol City at home to Sunderland. Sunderland have two wins on the Browns under their Dodds, their interim manager. Dodds saying that he's put postponing talks of uh, becoming Sunderland's first team manager permanently, uh, but he has turned Sunderland around after the sacking of Mogger. Uh, going to be a tough game. Bristol City, obviously, with Liam Manning, their new manager, uh, have turned their season around a bit as well under a new manager as well. Uh, and I think it's going to be an interesting game this to see the tale of what two new managers can do for either club. Ted, take it away. Sunderland at Bristol City. Yeah, uh, interesting game this one. It, it's a different set of problems to what we've had in, in the last two games in the you know, West Brom. Uh, a good attack inside leads, obviously even more powerful up front. Um, and we've changed the tactics around a little bit. Obviously, we went with three centre-backs against Leeds. Judging by the way he was he was sort of um, talking about Jensen sealed, I would imagine, I think, we're going to go away from home and adopt the same style of play as what we did against Leeds. I think we're going to stifle them. I think we're going to shut up the Bristol City fans pretty early on. Um, they're not in the greatest form themselves. I mean, they've only won one in the last five, um, which I believe, was that was that the game against you last? Yeah, thanks, probably mate. probably was, wasn't it? Yeah. No, sorry, mate. Uh, oh, it's just a, just a factual bit. Uh, <laughs> well, if you want to be factual, yeah, Sunderland I, were bottom of the Premier League in 13-14 and escaped the drop. I now have it confirmed. There so were, let wasn't me it Christmas, be factual. Wasn't it Christmas <laughs> Day? Wasn't it Christmas? Wasn't Christmas, Christmas Day? Was it, it was Christmas Day. They were bottom of the table with 10 points and a minus 18 mm. goal difference. I've got the Christmas Day table up as we speak. It was so that means that I won the quiz because me and Ted got the same number, but I actually factually corrected his answer. So I get the prize. Get in! I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that in a minute. Please do. I won't say anything about Leicester also doing it. Uh, thanks, Jack. Jack sent a message. He went Leicester did it the year after Sunderland, but we won't mention that bit. Well, there you go. Anyway, but back to back to the taste and decency of, of the championship. Um, I, I think we're going to have too much for them. Um, in, in terms of players coming back from injury, we're still we're still a few players short. We're still waiting for Alessi coming back. We're still short of Sirkin. Obviously, Pembele and Matetti are, are kind of gradually getting back towards fitness now as well. But I do think there's enough in the team and adopting the same sort of tactics of some good old-fashioned counter-attacking football against Bristol City will see them off. Um, and I'm going to go for a confident 2-0 win. Ooh. Mm, I'm actually going against you here. I'm going for Bristol City to win this 1-0. I think Bristol City are going to get you. And, uh, you know, they're going to help close that gap. Dave, what do you reckon? Sunderland are flying, aren't they? Um, it's the Dodds factor. Um... Oh, they're going to go down there full of confidence. Bristol, new manager. Sadly, the only victory was against us. Everything points to a Sunderland win. Everything points to a Sunderland win. However, I refuse to accept the fairy tale will continue. So it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Okay. Ooh, interesting, Steve. Mm. You wonder with Bristol, you know, is there going to be a surprise there? Are they going to have a couple of big ones up top? Um, hey! <laughs> um, Hang on, where's Jazz's jingles? Hang on, where's Jazz's jingles? Hang on, that's, that's worthy of a symbol. Where is that? Oh, there is. There you go. Um, but, but ultimately, uh, sitting in 15th place. Steve, that was magnificent, mate. I'm sorry, but that was brilliant. What? It went over your head, Ted? 
No, 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 no. It, I think it deserves face. more credit. <laughs> yeah, a couple of black eyes after that banger. Um, but yeah, 15th 15, 15th place Bristol. Um, this shouldn't be a problem for Sunderland, who are flying. Um, the Dodge factor is going to come into effect here. I'm going to go for a 2 1 win to Sunderland. Ooh, interesting, interesting. And on to the last. On to the last game of the Northeast teams we need to talk about, the Mighty Borough, my team that continues to play with my heartstrings. Hey, right. We are away to Swansea. Hey, right. Yes. Before we get yes. into the Borough deeply, I've just got to mention this. Yes. I don't know what's going on, but Nikki has been in touch in WhatsApp and sent a couple of pictures. One is of a bamboo toothbrush. The other is of a bar what? of Dove soap. Do you reckon she's yes, she's either messaging Daz secretively, waiting for him to come into the studio and he's now here, or do you think she's got the wrong number? Why would we I need a picture of a toothbrush and a, and, a, and a Dove soap bar? But there you go, just had to mention that. Let's get back to the maybe, borough. Maybe he's left them at maybe. that house. Yeah, or one of did one of us swear and we got to brush our brush our teeth mouth out with soap or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's making a shiv. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk Borough taking on Swansea. Obviously, the trip to Wales for Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough obviously coming way. off a back of a few uh, disappointing results. We're still obviously struggling with injuries. Michael Carrick saying in his press conference yesterday that he was likely have to pick from the same squad he did against Hull City with no one immediately available for a turn. There might be a sneaky Hayden Hackney, uh, but we wait and see. Obviously, Carrick tight-lipped on that one. Lads, I am worried for the borough at the moment. I am worried about the way we've been performing and been worried about the injuries taking a toll on our squad. Uh, last uh, midweek against uh, Hull City was one of the more disappointing performances for mind. Uh, and then Carrick coming out after the game and saying he, that the team played ever so well was even more sort of take, took me by surprise. Carrick was upbeat in his press conference yesterday. Yes. I thought he spoke well. Uh, I thought he gave us, you know, more confidence going in. Uh, and, he, you know, it was good. He took he took the pressure, you know, again, once again off the lads. Uh, and, you know, and he also ramped him up saying that these lads are going to play for the badge and we're going to get the results. So it's interesting for me uh, going away to Swansea. Swansea, obviously, not in the greatest of form. They obviously have just come, they've just lost their manager who they sacked uh, Michael Duff on the same day as Moga. So Swansea currently without a manager as well, uh, which is interesting as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Middlesbrough can respond. Uh, we are not playing, finally, one of the teams in the top half of the table. Uh, we're playing Swansea, who are sitting in 17th, obviously Middlesbrough in 13th. Uh, and, you know, look, we've had a bad run of games, but we've been against Ipswich Town, Leeds United and Hull City, who all sit above us in the table. Finally, we're playing someone beneath us in the table. And I think Middlesbrough can get the win here, lads. And you know what? I'm that confident. I'm going 4-0. That's how confident I am that the Borough are going to get back. Because I spoke what? to Michael Carrick yesterday. I rang him. I rang him, Dave. And he spoke to me and he said, look, Rye, look, look. I know you're disappointed. I know you are. Calm the Jets. Don't get on the private jet. Don't come over and ask me the tough questions that I'm used to from you. I'm going to get you the win this weekend. He promised me for Christmas. And I said, right, Michael. 4-0. 4-0. I'm going. Kids, this is what happens just, when you drink on the job. He's been on the sherry. Just, he's been on the Christmas hey, sherry, hasn't he? He's absolutely. Just wait, just wait. Come Monday. Come Monday, you all remember this, because I'm going to refer to it. Don't you worry about that, all right? Oh, and we if, will. If, Don't if, you if worry. Middlesbrough <laughs> if Middlesbrough lose, I'm calling you sick. Uh, uh, Ted, Middlesbrough versus Swansea. Predictions, police. Uh, Swansea are the, what the, they're, they're a tough team. They are a tough team. They're the draw specialists. Yeah, they, they have are. The, the second most amount of draws in the league this season. 
Um, I know that when Sunderland went down there, we struggled against them, and they had 10 men. They can get men behind the ball. Um, I'm finally going to see that nil-nil draw between Middlesbrough and Swansea. Nil-nil. Ball draw. Boring. Stevie? 1-1, one, one, I'm going for me. And then into the studio with our resident Dave and Daz. I hear you as well. Good morning, Good Daz. Morning. Hope you're well, mate. Um, yeah. They've they've drawn three out of their last five games, and it would have been four out of five had uh, Rotherham not got a man sent off because they they scored their winner after he'd been sent off. So I can see nothing more than a one-one draw. Uh, Daz, well, I'm I'm going for a Borough one-nil. All right. So no one's as confident as me. Okay. Well, that, that, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Edge your bets. But if you're a mighty Middlesbrough fan, get behind me. All right. I'm going for four nil. All right. We wait. Just you wait. We Ladies love your optimism. Boys and girls, that's the end we of the love week. your optimism. <laughs> I love the borough, mate. I love the borough. And I just think it's got it's got to turn at some point. Michael Carrick has got a good squad there. He knows uh, what to do. Swansea, you know, we did well against Swansea last season as well when we went there. Obviously, we got Riley McGree coming back. We got Hayden Hackney there in there as well. I think he might make a surprise appearance. I love this team. I love this club. And I know that we're going to get a result at some point. All right. Michael Carrick is going to get this right. And it starts this weekend against Swansea before the Port Vale trip, where we go and win that energy drink cup. 8-0. All right? 8-0. Get in. Hey, get on board. The Borough train. I love it. That's it. Northeast Brecky done. Your week is complete, ladies and gentlemen. We are out of here. We are ready for your weekend. We'll be back next week, obviously, in the lead up to Christmas. We're going to get that, uh, going to get those special gifts uh, sorted out that, to me uh, for the to quiz. me for winning and correcting. So, oh, whoa, yep, whoa, yep, whoa, yep, whoa, yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, does, we'll be back. Does, on thank you very Monday. much for your letter. <clears throat> uh, I, I can't talk to you about it. I'm sorry. Did you snap your crayon? <laughs> it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Thank you, boys. Have a good one. We've got a cracker, hey, yeah, we've got a good cracker of a Christmas tune to take us out. Catch you next week.